I think people think of electric vehicles as just replacing petrol cars. Actually, that's not the game here at all. We're creating a whole new transportation industry. Technology is changing how we live and interact with one another at a rapid pace. There's no better time to take advantage of technologies like AI to change any part of your life. Find out what's real and how it works from industry experts in Tech Trends Explained. The focus of today's episode is all about what does a world look like with electric vehicles and with gas cars? And how do these options, how does the ecosystem of electric vehicles allow for a better, more robust more options really for the consumer to be able to have the best driving experience, whether it is that they are going for a leisurely drive where they want the roof, the top down in a convertible, or if you're moving and you need something that's more sturdy, how does the vehicle and the driving experience get better? And how is it that the consumer is now able to be more empowered and have more options because of electric vehicles. Another part that I explore in this podcast is another part that I explore in this podcast is how is it that you, someone with a passion, an idea of something outside of your current job or maybe your current business, how can you take that passion and be able to ignite it with the use of an emerging technology. And that's what this person has done here, who I spoke to today. So I hope from his story, listening to how he was someone who always loved racing cars. So how is that someone that loves the sport of car racing, able to combine that with now a new technology, and that is electric vehicles, which 10, 15 years ago, there would not have really been a demand for it. This opportunity would not have been involved. But because now this is an emerging technology that really is taking off, it presents this new market and that he was able to see and has started. So I want you to be able to see that for yourself as you are hearing his story of ask yourself, what does that mean for you? What, what opportunity can you now be able to unlock for yourself? It doesn't necessarily have to be electric car related, but that I want you to start asking yourself that question. And I hope that this podcast provides you with inspiration for you to be able to answer that question yourself. Charlie is the founder of Zero Carbon Racing Driver, which is a motorsport company that focuses on motorsport, but with electric vehicles. He's been in the car industry for over six years, and specifically with electric vehicles for over five years, uh, where he's worked in the past at Tesla, um, Octopus Electric Vehicles, Supercar World in the UK. So he definitely really understands the industry, the automotive industry. So I hope that you learn more about what this world looks like with electric vehicles in this conversation that I had with Charlie.
Thank you so much for being here with me today. Really, the first question I want to ask you is what has made electric vehicles so popular? I feel like there was Tesla and all of a sudden I felt like on the road, I just saw a bunch of electric vehicles out there. And now that's really piqued my interest. Brilliant question. Uh, Thank you for having me. Jillian, I think electric vehicles are an interesting one because they've been around since like the 1850s and even places like New York and London, the majority of horseless carriages at some point in their history has been electric. I think the big thing that's really changed is there's a couple of things, right? The first one is is batteries, really the discovery of proper lithium ion and how we applied those batteries to cars has made, made the big difference. And then also the other thing, I suppose, is we're also getting to the point that they do more than just make the environment better. The car itself is an all-round better vehicle. If we want to really rapidly change the way that we interact with or look, stop a fossil fuel predicated economy, we need to more than just, we need to make it more than just that it's better for the environment. We need to give financial, make it better financially and make it better lifestyle for making that switch. And I think that's where we're starting to get to. Unpack that a bit more about what are the other benefits that you're seeing with electric vehicles, aside from, you said, the environmental. Rather than me owning that car, and this is longer term, this isn't for me, but I mean the world, longer term, that idea is that I just tell an app where I want to go and I then get access to that car for that journey. So whether that be to the gym, I can have something small and dinky. I can have a little city car. And then if I want to go to Scotland, I can have something bigger or scarier. Or look, I jump on the train. And when I get to Scotland, when I get to Glasgow, there's a lovely sports car waiting for me to go and do some mileage in the Highlands. Hopefully that makes a little bit more sense when I'm unpacking that idea of uh, use case scenario, right? Yeah, Charlie, you just expanded my mind of what is possible with cars. And it's something I think about a lot because I love driving and I love the experience of being in my car. I feel like I get my best ideas and my most creativity when I'm just driving. And yeah, I love the idea of a world where, hey, maybe you are moving and then you need like a pickup truck or you're doing a cross-country road trip and you want a bigger car and having a to choose the car or for the right, I guess, like setting. Um, I want that world. And I know it, it sounds like it's we still have a long way to go, I think, in, in terms of it being more accessible for people to be in a position where they can decide if they want an electric vehicle or not, because at least from my area where I am, there's still that not that many options for people, like in your case, where they can go and have their car conveniently charged. Yeah, I, th- I think I think infrastructure is the big thing that we that we are facing and we have to really think about. But the thing that I have always said since my time when I owned my car and then when I was at Tesla, is that every home has the ability to become a petrol pump, right? Every building that has electricity has the ability to be a petrol pump. So actually, not an actual petrol pump, hopefully I made that clear, but like an electric petrol pump. But I don't know if you know the story of like um, in certain parts of Africa uh, or in a lot of third world countries, they've moved from having... They, they, they didn't even get landlines, right? They went straight to 
having mobiles because mobiles were cheaper, they were easier, and they were e the infrastructure around it was easier. And you can see the same thing happening with renewable tech, right? So there are villages where they struggle to get big cables out from power stations and they're just lining their, their tents and their huts and their homes with solar panels and that's then providing power to the village and they're almost jumping a step in infrastructure. And I wonder whether maybe certain cities in the US, certain cities in Europe, they will have this sort of weird transition period where some people will want to buy an electric car and some people won't. But then it might happen really rapidly that all of a sudden this becomes cheaper, easier to implement, and we just jump straight there in the space of like five years. I don't mean that it will happen in five years, but I mean the change will happen very rapidly in that sort of time frame. So, you know, in 15 years' time, we might see that there'll be a short three-year period where all of a sudden everything switches and changes really quickly. But the speed at which cars hit the road and just the whole idea of transportation changed so quickly in the space of a very short period of time was was kind of scary. Or, or, or even the internet these days, the internet of things, and AI will probably see that thing happen whereby I was having this conversation with my dad and my dad was like, I don't see that happening. I don't see how that happens in my lifetime. My dad was born in the 1960s. I was like, Dad, can you go back and tell your seven-year-old self that by the time you're in your 50s or 60s, there'll be this thing called the internet where you can see anything and anything that has ever existed or predict anything that will ever exist at the space of clicking two buttons, but you won't have flying cars. And I think that's, we don't know what we don't know just yet and that's where this tech really excites me does that make sense oh 100 i'm with you on the same page um that's really one of the reasons why i created this podcast i feel like we're in a, such an amazing time in history right now where there's so many different emerging technologies that are just rapidly accelerating and this is the time when all of us can really be able to take advantage of them so how do we democratize those technologies to make sure that people have the ability to to make the changes in their lives that they want to want to make. And I suppose we can come on and speak a little bit about vehicle to grid if you want. But that's a technology that for me very much the future could be one big business or a couple of big businesses controlling all of it. Or it could be democratized down so that people have the ability to self-serve and create their own little economies that allow them to do some really cool stuff with renewable tech as well. Charlie, tell me more about that. The vehicle to grid, is that what you said? Yeah, so vehicle to grid is a technology that was that was invented in Japan and it was off the back of the Fukushima disaster and Nissan really, really decided to push it. And then other people have taken a lot of inspiration from it. So Ford with the new F-150 Lightning have something called vehicle to load, which is the car can power your home. So the whole idea of vehicle to grid or vehicle to load is that your electric car battery is really big. In a period of, let's say, an emergency, or let's take an emergency because that was the first use case. So um, there's a problem with the grid and you stop getting power to your home. The car can then start providing power back to your home and power your essential things, power your kettle, 
you don't have kettles in the US, do you? Power your microwave, um, maybe power a little bit of heating, at least have some lighting going on. And the car can probably do that for about a week, maybe a little bit longer. We don't have those same issues in the UK, right? Um, we have a very interesting and different way of supplying electricity from the grid to our homes. So it means that we have a very different use case and we also don't have major emergencies that happen regularly in terms of natural disasters or earthquakes where we would need to provide power to, to places that don't have power. So what we see as vehicle to grid being is that we can wholesale or we can collectively, Scotland especially, can collectively create renewable energy. It's really easy. We just put up some wind farms. But wind isn't always blowing, right? And the UK loves its cup of tea in the evening. And at the end of one of our favourite television shows or the end of a, a soccer game, um, or the middle of a soccer game especially, especially a big one, the grid will see spikes whereby it needs to put more coal into the coal-burning power stations to provide power at those periods. And we can just ask God to shun the, shine the sun a little bit harder at that point or blow the wind a little bit harder, right? Because it might be half past seven at night. So what Vehicle to Grid would allow us to do is in that period of peak energy demand, when the energy's at its dirtiest, would be to use green energy that we had stored in our cars overnight and charged in our cars overnight when there's a surplus of wind on the national grid to then provide power back to the home and stop that home from creating that demand spike. Does that make sense? I've never thought about that before, but that is... So fasting. And then, Charlie, does that lead to what you were talking about earlier, how each person being able to have their own economy? Yeah, exactly. So either if you owned your own car and owned your own energy storage asset, let's call it that, rather than calling it a car, you would then be in control of when you charged it, when you put power back onto the grid, when you wanted to access cheap energy. Or the other way is a big company could own... 600,000 cars in London and when London was struggling maybe that car company could give a little phone call into the mayor of London and be like yo we see you're about to struggle with some energy do you want to buy some energy off of us I can see there being positives and negatives to both situations there right in that my mum doesn't want to be sat there playing with an app every single day to work out when to buy energy, when to sell energy, when to charge her car and when not to charge her car. But at the same time, I don't want one big car company being able to control or almost hold to ransom. I'm not saying any big car company would do that. But if the, if the ability was there, would that then be able to be used in the future? And I think that's where we really need to start thinking about what does vehicle to grid look like? What does the what does the future of that technology look like? Because in a really counterintuitive, weird way, electric vehicles allow us to pull more renewable energy onto our grids. They allow us to utilize more renewable energy as well. Which I think to most people is a weird situation. They think that everybody will plug their electric cars in at the same time. And a bit like Texas a few years ago, 
will struggle to be able to provide that amount of energy. Actually, it's the other way around. The electric car can provide, or the batteries, that battery asset, that energy asset, will provide the buffer and the space to allow the grid, when it has the ability to make extra energy, to do it. And when it's struggling to make renewable energy, we can access that energy again. That is so amazing. Well, I'm definitely going to be looking forward to keeping up with what's going on in the energy sector because this is really fascinating. And I had no idea that this concept really of an electric grid was possible. So the batteries of, of the actual electric vehicle car, what are they made of? And a question I have is, what happens really when you know, like if that battery is no longer usable? I mean, is there a sustainable way to be able to remove and uh, dispose of that battery? Yeah, I, I, again, I think that's a really good question. I hear it a lot. I think lots of people hear it or, or are concerned with that. So there's a, there's a couple of bits to that, right? First up, the, the making of the battery, is that good for the environment or is that not good for the environment? Making anything is not that good for the environment. Mining anything is not that good for the environment. But mining for an electric battery really isn't that all too dissimilar to mining for oil. However, we burn oil once, we then have to go and mine for it again. Whereas with an electric car battery, we use it for 10, 15, 20 years. Now, this is this is rapidly changing. So the world is changing quite quickly. And if you have a set of Bluetooth headphones, yeah, the likelihood that they end up in landfill and the likelihood that that battery is not going to be usable again is really quite high. We need to work out how we recycle those raw materials. So how do we how do we get those that little bit of lithium ion that's in your Bluetooth headphone and be able to, to reuse that in another way. And then what people do is they go, well, if we can't do it with headphones, we definitely can't do it with electric cars, and they have huge batteries, and that must be really bad for the environment. But coming back to what we were saying about renewable energy not always being prevalent, and us not being able to choose when the sun shines, apart from in the middle of the day, and when wind blows, an electric car battery needs to have, it needs to have an amazing power to weight ratio, or energy to weight ratio, or in another term, like bang for buck, right? The amount of electricity you store in a small space, a relatively small space, needs to be really high for your electric car. Because if it weighs too much or if it's too big, that compromises the electric vehicle design. So you want to try and cram about 90 kilowatt hours into the smallest area you can. Once that battery's been used, let's say 15, 16 years, we maybe see a 10, 15% drop off in that time. So it goes from a 90 kilowatt hour battery to let's say conservatively a 75 kilowatt hour battery. If you were to put it into landfill the way that your headphones would go into landfill, yes, that's really bad for the environment. But what we can actually do is reuse that because no longer does that battery need to be small enough to fit in a car. So we've got a 75 kilowatt hour battery. Let's split it up. Now the math is confusing me here. I should have gone 100 kilowatt hours, right? But let's split it, split it up three times. And we'll then sell it as a two, 20 kilowatt hour battery to add to your solar farm or to put on the side of your house 
and enable that new economy that we're talking about with five kilowatts left over. And that probably extends that use case of that battery out another 15, 20 years. So that gives us 40 years of batteries that are being built today to come up with full down to the material levels of recycling. There's a couple of people looking at it. The big car manufacturers are looking at it. The big person that I am super hopeful is a man called JB Struble. He used to work in Tesla. He was Tesla's chief technology officer. He worked alongside Elon. Um, he's got some crazy inventions. He's invented like laser guided air pockets to ward birds off of bird strikes at airports, things like that. If anybody can make this work, JB probably will be able to make it work. And he set up his own battery recycling company with the idea of being able to do this in 15, 20 years, which is long before when we would need to. We just need to get out of this um, headspace of like an engine in a petrol car. Once it's dead, it's dead. A battery in an, in an electric car is not dead. It's just no longer super efficient. So let's use it in an event or in a use case that's efficient for it again. Does that make sense? Yeah, that definitely does. And it helps to hear from your perspective that there's other people who are already thinking about this and starting to work on it. I think in the past, it was really easy to become quite evangelical about electric cars and be very much like they're the best thing ever. Nobody say a bad word against them. Now, actually, we need to realise that some of the bad words that are being said against them come from a place of fear and not understanding the product. And some of them come from a place of actual genuine bona fide worries that we have long term. We need to solve both of those in different ways to make sure that we get to this end goal. Or also maybe alleviate people's worries, right? Make people understand yeah. that. Yes. The batteries aren't great in the short term, but we've got a lot. Sorry, they're great in the short term. They're maybe not that great in the long term, but we've got a long term plan to make sure that they're sorted. Really fascinating. I'm glad to hear that. I Yeah, I had no idea. So another thing that I've been hearing about is that there have been the price of energy has been falling. And I'm curious to hear from your perspective of what you've seen in just the industry. Has that actually helped people who are buying electric vehicles and then having being more uh, economical. You're absolutely right. With energy prices shifting and changing, so in the UK we're seeing some really high energy prices. In different parts of the world we see cheaper energy prices. Your electric vehicle is always going to be more efficient. It converts its energy that's stored in the battery to forward momentum about 90% of the time. Your petrol engine is about 14 to 20% efficient. So for every $100 of fuel you put in your car, you're lucky if 14 to $20 of that pushes the car forward. With an electric car, you can be down, as in the UK, you can be as cheap as 2, 3p per mile, which is the equivalent of, what, 4 to 6 cents per mile. But on US price, the only US pricing I really know about is in Texas, was it like 11, pen, 11 cents per kilowatt hour? You get the right electric car, you charge at the right times, you can be down in the one to two cents per mile region, which if you top that up over a long period of time, 
that car is definitely going to be cheaper to run. I think we need to come down to use case scenario now. So what's the best product for the use case scenario? Electric vehicles are the best thing for inner city personalised travel. Are they the best thing to get from LA to New York? Probably not. So is that better train infrastructure? Is that better flight infrastructure? Is that reducing the carbon intensity of flying? Those are all the things that I think we start to need to really, we need to take this less of this one size fits all approach and this idea of like, what's the best thing we could do for our local area? Like what starts at home, then will spread everywhere. If you are a if you are a petrol head or if you're somebody that loves driving, which is what I am, I want to be involved in this industry to affect the change that I want, rather than leaving it to people that don't care about cars to make the decisions on how we tr how we move that's better for the environment. It's a little bit like, I suppose, Beyond Meat. The people that made Beyond Meat were people that loved steaks and loved burgers but they wanted to do the right thing for the planet they weren't just hardcore vegans because if they'd just been hardcore vegans they'd have just been eating peas beans lentils and been making curries and i don't i don't mean that in a throwaway way against vegans what i mean is beyond meat have now started to make a bigger change than just their, themselves and that's the same thing we need to do Porsche are doing it, Tesla are doing it, BMW are doing it. Maybe in the States you need to, if you are at the weekend driving your big Ford pickup and raising it like I've seen in Texas, maybe you need to start thinking about, hmm, if I was to get an electric car or if I wanted an electric car, what would it look like and how would it feel rather than just being like, I don't want an electric vehicle. Does that make sense? And I know people will hear that and shudder, but if the car's being used an awful lot more and you pay six to ten dollars to use it for 20 minutes, you could have a car that's worth a hundred thousand dollars with all the most amazing safety features in there because VW or Ford or GM don't need you to pay a premium because it's constantly being used. So therefore we get access to better technology 
and better uh, better experiences as customers with spending less money. I love it. Charlie, can you tell people more about what you're doing with your zero carbon racing driver and the specific lens that I'm looking at it when I'm asking you this is because the reason why I created this podcast is because I feel like we're now at such an amazing time in history with all these technologies, these emerging tech trends, people can really redefine their career. They can find a new mission, a new purpose, and they can start to be able to use these in a way that wasn't possible before. And I see that you're already starting to do that with your zero carbon racing driver uh, company. So tell people about it. Yeah. How you started. So how I started, I've, I've been into racing cars since I was really small. Um, and there's a famous Scottish person called Colin McRae, who actually maybe is more now well-known in the States than he is in the UK. But um, he sort of started the careers of famous US guys like Travis Pastrana and Ken Block. Um, and I grew up in quite a poor part of Glasgow. Um, Glasgow has some of the worst poverty in, in Western Europe. And I was quite lucky and quite fortunate that my parents weren't quite as not well off as the rest of my classmates. Um, and a big thing for me is fairness and doing the right thing for people. And motor racing hasn't always had that uh, that running through it, right? If you look at the racing drivers who race in Formula One, half the grid pay to be there because daddy is super rich and little I don't want to name names but little Robert wants to go racing so daddy has paid or even bought a Formula 1 team to make that happen do those people really long term care about the world beyond their own four walls they probably do but they're probably not engaged enough to do the right thing for me the other thing is as well is that Electric vehicles need to be exciting. Like the future needs to be exciting for us to sort of look at and and see a way of moving forward. So Zero Carbon Racing Driver came out of this idea that I'd done some racing in petrol vehicles. I had been working with electric cars for a while and I'd also done some testing slash driving quite quickly in electric cars. And I couldn't find anywhere that I could go racing in an electric car other than a couple of world championships. Um, and I don't have the budget to go and start racing in Formula E unless somebody on the call is listening and or somebody on the podcast is listening and, and wants to donate like half a million dollars to my fund. Um, I'm not going to get to go racing in an electric vehicle at the top tier of motorsport tomorrow. So to begin with, it was that I would look to see wherever I could go and drive an electric car and drive it fast and competitively. Um, and part of that was Tesla Corsa. Then a certain president of the United States stopped all international flight around about the time of COVID. So that put pay to that. So a lot of my racing was done online um, in simulator situations. And then lo and behold, a, a little championship arrived in the UK which was British Rallycross decided to have an electric race series so again got involved in that 
got some money together, went out racing in that, with a little bit of backing from my work as well, and managed to go racing, and, and we made a good fist of it. I think, think we finished third. We should have finished first if the final round had gone ahead. But really, the idea is that motorsport has this ability to, or any form of sport, has this ability to emotionally wrap up an audience and get that audience really excited about what's happening. And if we can then carry a message alongside that of not one of confrontation about the future of our environment, but or like Formula One, this idea that Formula One and a, a, a good climate future cannot work side by side. Actually, and this sounds really weird, and I hope people don't uh, criticise me, but 20 cars, or let's take IndyCar, like 35, 40 cars doing laps of Indianapolis every weekend, burning petrol is probably not the worst thing for the environment. The worst thing for the environment is actually shipping all those cars all around the world and the people watching it thinking that they need a petrol car because an IndyCar is petrol. So for me, the idea is, can we tell the story of a climate positive future, lower inner city air pollution future, which actually strikes more of a chord with me than climate change. Not that I not that I deny climate change, but I know that the children or the the children of my classmates who live on the main ambulance corridor and the main um, bus corridor in Glasgow in the East End. They have worse lungs than if I had a child where I'm living now. That doesn't seem fair to me. So if I can use my motorsport to and my passion to shine a light on that, I would. Um, that's sort of the whole goal of zero carbon racing driver. How do we showcase that there's a there's fun and excitement to be had in this transition? And coming back to that idea of if I don't lead that transition of being this reformed petrol head. I can't expect anybody to sanction motorsport moving forward. I don't want to get to 50, 60, 70 years old where we just have motorsport banned because it's bad for the environment. We need to change motorsport to allow us to continue. I love that. So where can people go and learn more about it? Like, do you live stream the actual races? So most of the races end up going on YouTube or the, the rounds that we did in 2021 did. Um, my website is zcrd.co.uk, which is where you can go and, and see. It's going to go through a relaunch in the next few weeks. I've got an idea together, got a bit of a blog commitment together as well. Um, and then also uh, my LinkedIn is where I post everything that I'm doing, both with the business that I work for, which is all to do with electric vehicles and then the fun stuff that I do alongside that as well that is less businessy but very electric vehicle as well. So cool. I love what you have done with Zero Carbon Racing Driver. I love that you've how you've already taken your passion, this new emerging area in technology, and you've started to run with it in an unmet need. And I hope it's really inspiring to other people who are starting to hear about the other technologies that are really emerging, and maybe they find one that speaks to them that they just start running with and doing something with it. Charlie, this has been a really interesting conversation. I've learned a lot from you. I'm sure a lot of people had no idea about really the depth of the electric vehicles, the the industry, and 
that you just shared us so much. So Charlie, thank you so much. No, thank you. Thank you so much as well. I think coming back to what you've just said, you're absolutely right. I think people think of electric vehicles as just replacing petrol cars. Actually, that's not the game here at all. We're creating a whole new transportation industry that will affect everything we do. Um, and that's what gets me really excited. And hopefully other people, like you're saying, can see those trends maybe appearing in what they love and are able to see that future beyond what traditional capitalism and business sees as being that future. I love it. Charlie, thank you so much for being here today. Thank you. Speak to you soon.